Hey Inspire Church, here we go again. What an absolute privilege it is to be able to stream into your living room or wherever you are from our dining room. In fact, everyone who's tuning in, welcome from wherever you are, whoever you are, Mikasa, Tsukasa. Now, if you know me, you know this fact about me that I love coffee. In fact, I'm a little bit of an addict and I know that. It's first step is acknowledging. Anyway, a day like today, man, am I missing the Inspire Coffee crew. Not only do you guys make an incredible flat white and legends, um, but our grinder at home broke. I know I can hear that collective gasp even here. So Kimberly, the absolute legend that she is so selfless and kind, took an opportunity to escape lockdown, grab my khakis, headed out to the supermarket to pick up some um, plunger coffee, amongst the other things that we needed, and then came back. Now, I know plunger coffee a little bit controversial, but there's a reason for that. You know, in the position that we are in right now, it's reminded me of the importance of pausing and sitting. Much like plunger coffee. It's not like you take a couple of tablespoons and put it in the plunger, add the hot water, and it's immediately ready to pour. No, it takes time to sit, to percolate, to infuse, to become rich and tasty. And it's like that in our lives. You know, it's so fast-paced that often we miss those opportunities just to pause. And that's why gathering as a church is so important, even if it's online, that together we pause, we seek God, we reflect on His Word, we let it um, sit with us, we let it percolate, we let it infuse so that the way that we think and the way that we act changes. And there's a passage that I'm really excited to share with you. And in fact, I've been sitting on this one, waiting for my turn to, to speak on Build Your Church. And um, as it sat with me, it's just become so much richer. And um, if you're looking for a title for this message, I'm calling it Part of the Crew. And in this passage, Peter has a moment with Jesus. And this moment changes everything for him. In fact, when you look at the letters that he wrote later in his ministry, you can see how this moment must have sat with him, continued to infuse and percolate. The more I've sat with this passage, the more I've realized that this moment for him is so profound for us in our moment now, even in alert level four. So before we begin, let's just pray. God, I want to thank you that you are faithful, that you are good, that you are loving. God, I pray that in this moment, as we sit with your word, Lord, let it percolate, let it infuse with us, that it would change the way that we think and the way that we act, that we would have a greater revelation of who you are, and in turn, God, we would also have a greater revelation of us within your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Just going to have a quick drink. So, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 16, and we are looking at verses 13 to 18. 
Otherwise, don't worry, it's gonna turn up on the screen. You're gonna be able to follow along. So it's Matthew chapter 16, and we're starting verse 13, and it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. All right, let's rewind a little bit. So Jesus and his disciples are on a trip up north and they come to stop at a place called Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus asks this confronting question. Who do people say I am? Who do you say I am? You know, the Son of Man was a title that Jesus often referred to himself. But he was interested in what they thought. They had just witnessed a miracle before where he fed 4,000 with only a few loaves and fishes. And immediately after that moment, even the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to see him. These are the religious political leaders of the time. And they're basically hounding him, demanding. They want to see him perform another sign to prove who he was. And then Peter, he responds not based on what the crowd thought, another important person, a prophet, someone who is making the way for the Messiah. No, he doesn't respond with what the crowd says. He responds out of a revelation of who Jesus is. And man, do we need a revelation of who Jesus is now in this current time. On your couch, as you're watching the news, as you're scrolling through the news feed, our world needs a revelation of who Jesus is because an understanding of who he is changes everything. So what was Peter's revelation? Well, we find this in verse 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Some of your translations might have Christ. Now, Christ is an interchangeable Greek word with the Hebrew word Messiah, and it means anointed one. The one that the whole Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures pointed towards. The one that this chosen people of God were waiting for, the Savior. Peter had shifted from hoping Jesus was to knowing that Jesus was the Savior. Now, the location is really important to this revelation, too. You see, you've heard me talk about it before. Jesus is the master. It's saying just the right thing at the right time and at the right place, like the ultimate object lesson. And um, this is no different. He's taken them 40 kilometers north of Galilee, where he kickstarted his ministry, in the opposite direction of Jerusalem and the temple, which is the center of worshiping God, worshiping Yahweh. So he's taken them north. He's taken them to Caesarea Philippi, which was a place steeped in idolatry. 
in the Old Testament, in this region, this is where they worship the Canaanite god Baal. Um, now they are worshipping the Greek god Pan here, and possibly in the mix too, a bit of Caesar worship, hence the place being renamed in his honour. And they are possibly even at the foot of Mount Hermon, which is the large mount here, not far from the cave where they would have worshipped Pan. And so Peter not only identifies Jesus as Messiah, but remember also as son of the living God, the living God, not just another God to add to the list of Baal or Pan or even Caesar, but the living God. Living God is associated with people who have had an encounter with him. I'm reminded of this story in the Old Testament, 2 Kings 5, and you've got this guy named Naaman. Now, Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. And so he had heard this rumor that the God Yahweh, Israel's God, may be able to heal, heal him of leprosy. So he leaves and he arrives. And long story short, Elisha tells him to bathe in the river Jordan and he is healed. And do you know what his response is? Not that Yahweh is just another local deity to add to his list, but he says this. He says, there is no God in all the world except for in Israel. He recognized that God was the living God. You know, I remember this one time when I was playing bass at a woman's meeting. This is many years ago when I was in youth at another church and there were women who could play bass, but for some reason they couldn't that day. So, you know, this is before tracks. I said, I can do this. I'll play bass. So turned up, we've done worship. It's partway through the meeting. And the woman who's taking the meeting says, um, I really feel from God that there's somebody here who has asthma. And not only that, this has come through from your mother's side of the family. Your mum's got asthma too. And God wants to heal you both. Now, she said a bunch of other things that made me think this could be me. But hang on, this is a woman's meeting. It can't be me. So I don't even move a muscle. Anyway, as you could imagine, it became really awkward. Um, and the, the woman was saying, I'm so sure God said this. I'm so sure, but we're going to have to move on. If no, no one's responding to this and I look down and my mum is on the front row and she is looking at me and pointing, as you know, a mum only could. And so I take off my base and imagine it. I'm standing behind this woman up on the stage. And as I begin to walk, the whole crowd begins to laugh. And she's thinking, what's going on? And I come around and she notices me and she goes, it's you. <laughs> Like out of a meeting, who would have thought that it was pretty much the only guy there? Now, guess what? My mum and I got prayed for. We got healed of asthma. Neither of us ever used an inhaler ever again. We had a living God encounter. Moving from hoping to knowing that Jesus is Savior. He is Messiah. He is Son of the living God. You know, our Christian faith begins and is centered around this revelation, moving from hoping to knowing that He is Savior, that He is sovereign, that no matter what you are facing right now, 
you can trust him because he has ultimately got you. He is good. When you have a revelation of who Jesus is, you're no longer part of the crowd. You are part of the crew. So you see, Jesus uses this, this moment and the setting as a platform to pivot his message from. He's been talking about the kingdom of God into what's going to happen is death and also how we as the church are part of his purpose and his plan. And so he is building his church. And this is the first time actually that he uses the word church, which is the word ecclesia, which is assembly. But the word ecclesia literally means to call out from to. So to call us from darkness together to something. So get this. Let's take a look. Jesus responds by saying, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. You know, this revelation comes from God. And I tell you that you are Peter, Petros, meaning stone or boulder. And on this rock, Petra, meaning a massive connected rock, big rock made of many rocks like Mount Hermon, I will build my church. What is he saying here? Jesus builds his church on a revelation of who he is and with people who have had that revelation. Inspire. God is building us into his church. You are part of the crew. You are not just part of the crowd. You are part of the crew. It's not a church A versus church B down the road scenario. We are all collectively being built by Jesus into his church. You know, the day we try and make it all about us or me versus the church, we've missed the point. It's all of us. It's us as a collective. It's our collective actions together. We are his church. And when God has a purpose, get this, nothing can come against it. He said in verse 18, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Again, Jesus is intentional and in why they made a 40-kilometer trek north for an object lesson. This cave opening at the foot of Mount Hermon was also known as the gates of Hades or the gates of hell, believed by those who worship there to be an area that is the connection point to the underworld, a place of the dead and departed spirits. So Jesus isn't afraid to stand here at the source of fear, at the source of death, to stare it down because he is God. You know, the cross is the ultimate proof of this, claiming the victory over sin and over death, freedom for humanity, if we choose it. He has conquered guilt, shame. He has conquered fear, the control that sin has over our lives. The Bible calls it the free gift of grace. You don't earn it. None of us deserve it. You just choose it. His statement here has really impacted me over the past week. The gates of Hades. You know, what invading army would take its gates or its fortification with them to go attack another army? They don't. That's ridiculous. So the language here speaks of that army being on the defense whilst the other army is on the offense. So Satan, sin, death, evil doesn't win the war. They can't win. 
They may appear to win a battle or two, but they're already doomed. And we know that from the end of the book. Jesus' church is the winning side. You are part of the winning side. Death has no hold on you. Fear has no grip on you. Because Jesus died so that you may have life, that we might have life abundantly, that we might have eternal life, people. This was a powerful moment for Peter. As we hit fast forward, we see as we pass Jesus' death and resurrection, as we pass the Great Commission where he commands his disciples to go into all the world making disciples, we find Peter writing a letter to a growing yet scattered church throughout Asia Minor. And you'll find this in 1 Peter 2, 4-5 and 9-10. Listen to this. As you come to him, the living stone, Sound familiar? Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now consider for a moment the organic, explosive, exponential growth as the good news has shot across the planet. That's right, from the original disciples to the 120 in the upper room, to the 3,000 added that day at Pentecost as Peter preached his first sermon. And here we are connected, even in lockdown. The good news of Jesus demonstrated in action and conversation, even entering news feeds and inboxes and Instagram stories and WhatsApp chats and living rooms, buses, even podcasts that people go for 5K and runs, listening to them. A-Rod. Inspire family, did you know that you are part of this? That on any given Sunday, you know, outside of lockdown, when we're doing our in-person gathering, there is another auditorium full worth of people participating online, connecting with us across the globe over the day. Now think that is increasing in lockdown and then compound that by every church that is doing the same. You are part of this. You are a rock. Now, I know that this is concrete, but um, you got to forgive me. This is level four. There's not much we can do, but you are a stone and you are part of what God is building. Peter understood the power of the one and the many and being connected. You see, right now, even though we may be dis distant, we are not disconnected. I'm going to say that again. Even though we are distant, we are not disconnected. You are part of something bigger than yourself. And do you realize that you carry the Spirit of God in you, that we carry the Spirit of God in us as His holy temple? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is working in and through you and us. 
So when we hear a verse like Romans 15, 13, so I wrote this the other day, posted it the other day. In fact, we're going to read it. I don't want you to miss this. It's Romans 15, 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that you can do that? That being part of the crew means you're able to experience joy, that you're able to experience peace and overflow hope to those around you. We can do that, impacting the world around us, even from our lockdown bubbles confined to our houses. It reminds me of something else Jesus said, Matthew 5, 14 and 16. It says here, you are the light of the world in a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, the light is observed in darkness. Now, as Christians, we don't avoid suffering. It doesn't mean that we avoid challenges. But what it does mean is that rather than viewing Jesus through the lens of our challenge, we view our challenge through the lens of Jesus. What does that mean? That our first response is always faith. That with a knowing that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of the living God, we can trust Him. And our world is looking for hope. Our world is looking for something to hold on to. So we need to overflow that hope through the Holy Spirit in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of the suffering, as you tackle it with faith that God can help you rise above. A city on a hill doesn't reflect one house being filled with light. So, you know, in a time like this, it's, it's many houses, it's, it's many um, streets and, and, and suburbs, a bit like when you go to a vantage point to have a look at all the lights in Auckland City, you know, during nighttime. Right now, as we're outside the four walls of our church building, we can shine bright as the church. We may be distant, but we are not disconnected. There is no challenge that can stop the church being the church. Inspire, this is far bigger than being worried about um, being an alert level four in your bubbles, COVID-19, the Delta variant. We need to stay wise, stay safe, be informed, but it's so much bigger than that. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. And what that is, is seeing his kingdom come and as will be done on earth, experience in and through us. I love, um, there's a theologian N.T. Wright, and this is how we put it, that the purpose of the church is to demonstrate to the world what it looks like when God is king. So here's the challenge. Number one, how can I overflow hope to those around me? Am I speaking or even posting positive words or, uh, you know, is it faith or is it fear? Am I actively encouraging people or am I causing people to be anxious? Number two, how can I love my neighbor? If the greatest command in the kingdom is this in conjunction with loving God, then am I responding with an eye for an eye? Am I being self-seeking? Am I being judgmental? 
or am I praying for people, loving people, even forgiving those who are being hostile towards us, uh, showing mercy, being pure in heart with our motives, even being peacemakers. Remember, a revelation of who Jesus is shifts you from being part of the crowd to being part of the crew. So Inspire Church, I just want to finish with this. Wherever you are in your home, everyone else who's watching, may you come to a greater revelation of who Jesus is as Messiah and Son of the living God, taking you from hoping to knowing so that you can trust Him in the middle of your circumstances. May you not feel disconnected as you're distant in your homes, but realize that you are part of something greater, that you are connected within the church that He is building, His church, that you're part of this. And may you overflow hope to those around you as you live in a way that shows what it's like for God to be King. In fact, let me pray with you. You might be watching right now and you're thinking, man, I need this Jesus. I need to make a decision to follow him. Maybe you've never made a decision. Maybe it's something you did a long time ago and you're in a moment right now where you've got a revelation that God is taking hold of you and you need him. Pray this prayer with me. It's this simple. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the cross. I want to thank you that you made a way that I could be set free from sin. God, forgive me. Lord, I choose not to live life on my own terms, but to follow you. Fill me with your life. Fill me with your hope. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you wanted to make that prayer your prayer, what we would love you to do is to head to inspirechurchnz.com slash yes. It's probably going to come up on the screen. inspirechurchnz.com slash yes, because we want to connect with you. We want to celebrate with you in the best decision that you could ever make. And we've got a seven-day plan that's just got a verse and a thought just to really encourage you each day as you journey and follow him in that yes also church i'm very mindful that for some of you you were sitting in the middle of challenges where you just want to get a, a greater glimpse as you sit this morning of who jesus is i want to pray with you maybe you're even sitting there and you're thinking about god what can i do how can i be proactive as part of your church well let me pray so god i just want to thank you right now in this moment for each person watching god i want to lift up those who are feeling uh, God, like they, they just really want a greater glimpse of who you are. Lord, reveal more of yourself to them in Jesus' name. God, let them capture a greater glimpse of how powerful you are, how mighty you are, that there is nothing that can separate them from you or is even a challenge to you. Lord, we speak that revelation into people's lives right now. God, I also want to lift up our church who are looking for ways to be active. God, I just pray, even in this moment, even in alert level four, God, by your Holy Spirit, just reveal them to them just really simple ways of how to be active. 
Show them what you're already doing and how they can be part of that. Even if it's just a simple message, even if it's blessing someone, whatever that looks like, God, you would reveal to them, show them that they are connected to something greater than themselves. In Jesus' name. Now, church, we love you. Absolutely serious when we say reach out if you need anything, even if it's prayer or conversation or whatever it is, reach out. As the church, we are here for you. Love you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We pray that you would activate something in your life and shift your life towards Jesus. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, just click follow. We love you. Have a blessed week.